Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. In our series uh, entitled Suburban Spirituality, Finding God in Every Aspect of Our Lives. And this morning we're going to talk about a big part of your lives. We're going to be talking about your work. Now, I don't know what your office environment is like, what your work environment is like. You know, maybe it's filled with office politics or maybe you've got a few quirky personalities like the TV program. And whether you work from your home or whether you've got an hour and a half commute every day, whether your job is in an office or on a construction site, whether you're just beginning your career or maybe you're getting close to retirement, the truth is that our job takes a very, very big, big part of our life. And it directly impacts every other aspect of our lives. Our work impacts our family life, our marriages, our spiritual life and maturity and growth, our church involvement. It just impacts every aspect of our life. In fact, the average American, the average American will spend, by the end of your lifetime, over 90,000 hours on the job. Isn't that a depressing thought? <laughs> and if you're a commuter, if you're a commuter, the average, with the average commute, you could probably tack on another 3,000 to 5,000 additional hours onto that number. It takes a big, big part of our life. And so it's very important that we understand God's design and God's intent for our, for our careers and for our jobs. We need God's wisdom on, on how to pursue our careers and, and how do we define success in the workplace. So we're going to look at it together this morning. Listen to these words. It's from the book of James, chapter 4. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. He says God cares about every aspect of your life. Your career, your vocation, your business, your professional life, as well as every other aspect of it. And he sums it all up with that one question. What is your life? It's a question I'd like to start out with this morning. How is it that you define your life? For many of us, we define it by our job. What do you do with that 90,000 hours? And we define ourselves by our career or vocation. And James says, just think about this for a moment. Life is too short for that. Life is too short. Think about your life from a different perspective. Think about it differently than beyond just your work or your job. He says life's too short. Life is too short for compulsive overwork. You say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain city and we will stay there for a year. We will do business and make a profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? Now, many of us, we read that sentence and we say, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, that's a good, solid business plan. Look at it. There's a timeline to it. Today or tomorrow, we're going to go. We're going to spend a year or so there. We have a target community. We're going to go to this city, that city. 
We have measurable goals, expected results. We're going to carry on work there and we're going to make a profit. The whole plan is solid. There's no flaws in that plan. That is the kind of the thing. I mean, if that does not describe 21st century America, I don't know what does. It's the way that we live our lives. And yet there's something missing that. What's missing is in that whole business plan, there is no accounting for, no thought whatsoever about maybe what God would have in mind. You know, I can, I can hear the husband coming home from the job interview and telling his wife, yeah, honey, it's a tremendous opportunity. Yes, it's going to involve some business travel. I'm going to be gone a good part of the year. Yeah, but it, you know, and yeah, I know it's going to take long hours. It's going to take extra effort. And I may not be home as much as I used to be. But look at the payoff. There's a profit at the end. It's going to be worth it all, whatever sacrifices it might be. And we're willing to make those sacrifices. And the error is that we build our whole lives around our job. We build our whole lives around our vocation. And what's missing in the whole equation is, where does God fit in the picture? I talk to more and more people who are new to the area. And one of the questions that I ask people, I say, well, are you new to the area? Yeah, yeah. What brought you to this area? Job transfer. <laughs> we moved here because my company moved us here. And that used to be, you know, just kind of the thing for, for what, you know, was affectionately called army brats, you know. They, lived in, a, they you know, lived in a different community every year of their life. They went to a different school every grade, you know. But that's not just true for the military anymore. Companies move people across country for their job. Man, I, 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 we had friends, we have had good friends that we had for like two years and then they moved because their company moved them. And if you were fortunate enough to live in the same community and stay and put down roots somewhere, you spend so much of your time commuting back and forth from work that you don't even get the chance to enjoy the place that you live. I had a friend who worked so hard and finally made management. You know, first he was on a salary and he was working so hard and he proved his worth to the company and so he made management. He said, what I found out is I just sold my soul to the company. Now I work tons of overtime and I don't get paid for any of it. I'm management now. It's just expected of me. When I was working in construction, one of the foremen for, uh, for the drywall company, actually he lived north of Petaluma. But he worked every day in the city. He left his house before the sun came up in the morning. He didn't get home certain times of the year. He didn't get home until the sun had gone down. But he had his acreage and he could drive his tractor on the weekend. You know, that's what he lived for. He just went to work so he could live for that acreage. And what's making all of the decisions, the major life decisions, based on our career, based on our job, based on our work. And what's interesting, for all of that sellout that we do, are, we are less and less satisfied with our jobs. The most recent job surveys, job satisfaction surveys that I have read, now indicate that less than half the people who are surveyed say they are satisfied with their work. Less than half. It continues to decline. In fact, of those who said they were satisfied, only 14% of them said they're very satisfied with their work. And 25% of all of those who were surveyed simply said, I just go to work so I can collect a paycheck and come home and spend it. That's not a very good way to go through life. 
Let me give you an alternative this morning. Now, in fact, let me first quote you from the wisest man that ever lived. King Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2 said this. He said, as I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was meaningless. It was just like chasing the wind. Are you spending your life chasing the wind? Here's an alternative. Develop a reverential rhythm to your life. James says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, he's not saying your life is trivial and meaningless. What he's saying is, it is short-lived. It is quickly passing. It is brief. It is fragile. It is far too precious to just let it drift away. In fact, the word there misses, the Greek word is atmos, which is where we get our word atmosphere. It's a pretty good description of the morning fog that we experience. You know, it's here when you wake up, but by about 10 o'clock in the morning, it's gone, it's burned off. He says, that's what it is. It is far too fragile and far too precious to just use it for nothing more than compulsive overwork. Do you know that all of creation has a rhythm to it? The planets revolve around the sun. And every revolution is a year. The moons orbit the planets. And they impact life on that planet. The moon orbits the earth. And the tides go in and out. And the earth rotates on its axis. And as it does, every 24 hours, there's another day. And as it rotates and makes its way around the sun, there are seasons. There are stars in the heavens that are pulsars. They emit radioactive energy on a regular basis. Our own bodies have a rhythm and a heartbeat. God designed all of creation with the rhythm. And God also designed in His creation a rhythm to your life. Anybody here know what the rhythm is that God ordained for your work life? It's called the Sabbath. It's what it is. Deuteronomy 5. Do all of your work in six days. But the seventh day is a Sabbath in honor of the Lord your God. Do not do any work on that day. He says your life is meant to have a rhythm to it. And if you violate that rhythm, you do damage to your soul, you do damage to your emotions, you do damage to yourself physically, because your life is meant to have a rhythm. And part of that rhythm includes a day of rest. And that day of rest is not just to fill it with more activity. He says it is a day to renew. It's a day to recalibrate your life. It's a day to honor God, to set aside time at least one day out of the week where you step away from all of the rest of your activity and just simply bring yourself back to the place that makes it all make sense. To spend some time in the presence of God to remind you that your job is not your God. Your career is not the be-all and end-all of your life. There is only one who is worth that kind of worship and devotion. And it's the creator God of your life. Your redeemer. God ordained this rhythm of the Sabbath for your life. Out of love. So that you would on a regular basis recalibrate. And re-identify what truly matters in life. Rest, renew, recalibrate. 
Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> I mean, you know, I talk to people all the time and ask, How you doing? It used to be people just said, Fine. Now the, one, the number one response I get back from how you doing is, Tired. I'm tired. Oh man, what a week. I am so tired. I am exhausted. Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You look at the model of Jesus' life. And there's a constant balance between work and rest. It was a constant balance between his mission and intermission. There are times it says that Jesus just withdrew, withdrew from everybody to a quiet place to be alone. He was always on call. There were always people all around him who wanted to hear him, who wanted to touch him, who wanted to be healed by him, who wanted to learn from him. But he knew the need for Sabbath rest. And he would withdraw on a regular basis. Somehow, I cannot picture Jesus running through an airport to catch that next business flight out of town. That picture just does not come to my mind when I think of his life. He lived with deliberateness and with rhythm. And he says, follow my example. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. Life is far too short for compulsive overwork. So let me ask you this morning, what is it that drives your life? Those of you who have this problem with overwork and spending all of your life in your job, what is it that drives that? Is it the approval of other people? Is it the bonus that you get at the end of the year? Is that really worth it? James says life's too short for that. Not only that, life's too short for a self-centered ambition. He says, as it is, you boast and you brag. All such boasting is evil. You know, America applauds ambition. We live in a culture that applauds ambition and achievement we even have a term for it. We call it upward mobility. And everybody's on the fast track. Get ahead. Move forward. Success is measured in career advancement and the corner office with the windows. Promotions and pay raises and year-end bonuses and commissions. James says you are building your life around the wrong stuff. You boast and you brag about all of this stuff, but it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Now, he's not condemning determination and diligence, and he's, and he's not forbidding us from enjoying the rewards of hard work. But he's saying it is not worth basing your whole life on. The error in this way of thinking is this. It's thinking that everything that I have, I've achieved for myself. All that I've accomplished has been strictly by my own effort. And again, God is left out of the equation. We begin to get our identity from our accomplishments. And we are missing the essence and the meaning of life. Acts 17 says, it's in Him that we live and move and have our being. So let me give you an alternative for this one this morning. Let God be your career counselor. <laughs> let God be your career counselor. Instead, you ought to say... If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
Now, he's not saying just give lip service to that or, or rattle off the cliche. He says, live with this mentality if it is the Lord's will. What he's talking about is obedience. What he's talking about is following God's leading and God's guidance and God's design for your life. Well, how do you know where that is? You start with what He has done in your life already. God has given to each and every one of you gifts and abilities and talents, skills. And they're different than every one of us. And your life will not find meaning in just accomplishment and paychecks. Your life will find meaning in when you begin to do the thing that God designed you to do. And when you begin to use His God-given talents for your own life. When you begin to discover, this is the thing I was made to do. And when you're doing the thing that you were made to do, it doesn't matter what the paycheck is. He says, find the thing that God has designed you to do. Look at your gifts. Look at your talents. Look at your own skills. He says, make careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. What is your passion? What is it that makes your heart beat faster? What is it that you really enjoy doing and get a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment when you've done it? What skills and talents and abilities has God put into your life that you could use in such a way that it honors Him? Recently I read of a university in California they're helping people kind of make career paths and in their guidance counseling program they kind of put together a little pamphlet to help people choose the best major and so they said you know kind of choosing your career path and choosing your major he said here's some questions that, that might help you um, figure this out they said um, if you graduate with a science degree you normally tend to ask the kind of questions like why does this work why does this work that that indicates you probably have a bent towards science if people who graduate with an engineering degree, you ask questions like, how does this work? What's the nuts and bolts of it? If you graduate with an accounting degree, you tend to ask questions like, how much will it cost to make this work? You know? And for those of you who are pursuing a liberal arts degree, you tend to ask questions like, would you like fries with that? <laughs> oh. Sorry, all of you liberal arts majors. He says, make a careful exploration of how God has designed you. Don't just start with your own wants. Start with what God has put already within you. And then he says, whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Pour yourself into the thing that He has given you to do. And give it your best. That means if you are a carpenter, then build that home with pride and do it with great skill and craftsmanship. And build it in such a way that the people who will live there will be able to enjoy it for years and not have it fall apart in three months. And if you are a teacher, don't just dispense information. Care about your students and take an interest in their learning and their development. And if you are an administrator, then care for the people under you. Because a good part of their life is in your hands. And grow them in their careers. Whatever it is that God has put before you, and whatever it is that He's given you to do, do it with all your heart. Don't just punch the clock. Don't just put in the hours, go home and collect the paycheck. 
Life's too short for that kind of living. Move forward, not in your own ambition, but in godly ambition and looking for His direction. And the third thing he says is that life is too short to ignore eternity. James 4.17 Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. What's he talking about there? He's talking about what may be the greatest error that we all make. The error of procrastination. Anyone who knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, he says, sins. It is the error of procrastination. It is that belief that someday I will do something meaningful with my life when things settle down. Yeah, I would love, I would love to take a missions trip. I would love to take a couple of weeks and and go invest my life in another part of the world. And I will someday when things settle down. I would love to be a part of a, of a small group and, 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 and be involved in fellowship midweek. But you know, my work experience and, and, and my commute is just such that, I, you know, someday I will do that when things settle down. I would love to be a mentor to high schoolers. I would love to help out in my community. Someday I will when things settle down. I would love to be more involved in my church. Yeah, I could make a great children's worker. I could work with kids. I love kids. Someday, when things settle down. And we go through all of our life waiting for that someday. And the truth of the matter is, someday never comes. We always think, when things settle down, then I can do the meaningful stuff. Right now, I'm just too busy. He says, life's too short for that. See, that day never comes. And we're only kidding ourselves. If I could on the board, I saw this illustrated and it really helped me. If I could, if I had a chalkboard up here and I put a dot and then a big long arrow pointing out this direction. And the dot would represent our life here on this earth and the arrow would be all of eternity that just keeps going on. And put it up here for all of us to see. I would say that 99% of us live for the dot. We live for the dot with no thought whatsoever of eternity in mind. So let me give you an alternative. Learn to practice every day eternity. This uh, past Wednesday I had surgery on my ear. And um, it was a minor surgery, you know, outpatient surgery. Went in in the morning. You know, they went in, they, they replaced one of the bones of the inner ear with a prosthetic, and it's supposed to make me f- hear better. I don't know. My ear's so plugged with cotton right now, I can't tell yet if there's any results. But it's minor surgery, no big deal. Met for the pre op appointment. Doctor went through all this 90% chance of, of, of successful surgery. You know, this thing works all the time. And then, you know, after they go through all of that, then he says, now, however, there are some risks involved. You know, and then he starts going through the risk. Well, there is a 1% chance. You see, because all of the nerves, all your facial nerves run through that same area. And if we nick the facial nerve or somehow disturb the facial nerve, you could be paralyzed on the right side of your face. Okay. And, and, and by the way, all of, your, all of your taste nerves, they run through that same area too. So if they get damaged, you could lose your sense of taste. I don't know which is worse, you know, lose my sense of taste, be paralyzed on the right side of my... And of course, because we're working on the inner ear, you know, he said, you know, there is a chance that you will lose your equilibrium. 
So now I got pictures of myself stumbling around, drooling from a paralyzed face with no taste left whatsoever. <laughs> but it gets worse. Then at the end of all of it, then at the end of all of it, he says, now, by the way, he said, you might want to go by the business office, and it's kind of standard for all surgeries, but we have some paperwork, because you might want to think about this whole do not resuscitate thing, you know? Because <laughs> worst case scenario, things could go really wrong. And I started thinking to myself, I'm not too sure about this now. <laughs> but it made me stop and think. How would I live my life differently today if it was my last day on earth? That's not a bad question. Let me put it to you this morning. How would you live your life differently today if you knew that this was your last day on this earth? How would you live differently this coming week if you knew that this week was your last week on this earth? See, that's living with eternity in mind. Romans 12.1 says, Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. He said, This is the way to approach your life. Live every day with that sense of eternity. I wonder if we would not interact differently with the people in our offices, with our co-workers on the job, if we knew that today was our last day on this earth. I wonder how we would treat our clients or the people that walk up to our window. How would we care about the needs and the hurts of the people that we encounter on a daily basis on our job. How would life be lived differently if they lived it with the sense that this might be my last day on this earth? I think we would live it quite differently. I think we would look at people around us differently. I think that annoying co-worker who always seems to get on your nerves you might look at them a little bit differently if this was your last day with them. Practicing everyday eternity means finding some way to bring a bit of eternity into your everyday life. And one of the best ways you do that is learning to serve. You know, we talked about this last week. The only thing that lasts from all of this earthly existence is people. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, specifically, he is talking that in the context of the church and among believers. But it's far greater message than that. It has to do with everyday life. It's the model of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And Peter is saying, this is how to live your life. Use whatever gift you've received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Look for ways to bring eternity into your workplace. Invest in a life. Listen to a coworker, help someone who's struggling. 
become involved in the lives of those people instead of just talking with them and putting up with them for eight hours a day. Help, encourage, accept, care, serve them. I ask you one more question this morning. Who is it that's responsible to make those changes in your life? Who is the one that's going to make that change? You are. And who's going to set the timeline for that change to take place? You are. No one else in this room can do that for you. James says life is too short to ignore eternity. Don't live for the dot. Live for the arrow. Because this life is quickly, quickly past. Use this life to usher in eternity. In his book, Courage and Calling, Gordon Smith writes it this way. We must live and work within the context of both the limitations and the opportunities that are current and real in our lives. I am convinced in this, that in principle, we should be able to fulfill our vocation anywhere. The question always remains the same. What needs to be done here? What are the strengths and passions that I can bring to this situation and this opportunity in light of the needs and in view of the opportunities that are before me? What is God calling me to do here in this place and at this time so that I can be a conduit of the life and grace of God to others? Would you bow your heads with me? What is it that drives your life? What is it that you are truly living for? What drives your career? Ambition, achievement, advancement, approval? Or are they monetary rewards? Paychecks, commissions, bonuses? How would you live your life differently tomorrow? if you knew it was the last day you had on this earth? What change do you need to make today to live it differently? Don't, don't get into this, oh, I'm going to make all these major changes in my life. Just start simply and make one change. And that change might be that I'm going to take an interest and learn to love and care about that obnoxious person in my office that I can't deal with. That would be a big enough project for this week. I will try, take greater care in my students. I will work with more skill in my carpentry. Life's too short. James says, life's too short to spend it working all the time, to be consumed with self-centered ambition, and it's certainly too short to live it in ignorance of eternity. I don't know what changes need to take place in your life, but I would encourage you this morning to make a decision about it.
And in these closing moments, make a prayer of commitment. Say, Lord, I'm going to live differently tomorrow. Remind me. Show me. Help me. Strengthen me. Lord, our lives are in your hands. And yet throughout the week, we forget that. So many things call for our attention. So many things demand our time. So many other things rise to the surface and become first, second, third place. And slowly you get pushed down the ladder. Lord, you've given us this day to recalibrate, to get better focus, to live better lives. So this morning, hear our prayers. This is the change I want to make. Remind me. Strengthen me. Give me the grace to make a difference in my workplace, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.